Welcome to Critics on a Bus, your favourite film review podcast, with me, your host, Cameron. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to a new episode of Critics on a Bus, a very exciting episode. So much so that we reunited the two amazing guest hosts from No Time to Die. That is the basically regulars now of Dan and Maddie. Hello, both. Hello. Hi. Hello. We might have had, the three of us might be reviewing just the two biggest films of 2021. The first being No Time to Die and the second being the juggernaut that is Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, we are. Oh, my God. <laughs> I genuinely think this might be one of the biggest films of the year. Um, I mean, right? Yes, definitely. Surely. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. The, the cinemas was packed when we saw it. Also, technically, couldn't find a parking space. It was so busy. It was crazy. So, yeah. No time to... No way home. <laughs> <laughs> Deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> It's all going wrong now. Yes, no way home. The, it's the pressure. It's the pressure. Um, the the third of the Spider-Man movies, the Sony Marvel collaboration, the end of a trilogy. Yeah, there's there's so much there's so much to talk about. I don't know how we're gonna fit this in. Um, first of all, who without giving any spoilers, who's in the film, guys? Who who do we have? Who do we know that everyone knows is in Spider-Man No Way Home? We can confirm that Tom Holland as Spider-Man is in the film. <laughs> we can also confirm that returning we've got Zendaya um, as MJ, Jacob Bateman, I believe, as Ned, the guy in the chair, Marissa Tomei um, as uh, Aunt May. You've got, uh, as announced by the trailers, William Defoe as the Green Goblin. You've got Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. You've got... This is quite a long list. Jamie Foxx's Electro. And I think then we start to move in slight, into slightly more murkier waters in terms of who and who isn't in this film. But, well, Benedict, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor oh, Strange. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes, and John like, Favreau as like, like, Yes, I Benedict Cumberbatch, of course. And J.K. Simmons bringing back his J. Jonah Jameson in the new version. We know that from Far From Home, obviously at the very end of Far From Home, we saw we saw J, J, J. K. Simmons replies there, and this is also directed by John Watts, who did the other two Spider-Man films. So he's he's had the whole trilogy. Yeah, and I th- think I'm gonna steal this in case anyone else does. I think this is the first MCU trilogy directed by the same person. That's correct. Yeah, that was that my was- fact. <laughs> 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 yes yeah so um that's that's quite interesting and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit so what other facts does you have maddie since i seem to have stolen dance <laughs> so right, i will quickly find another <laughs> oh so the the only real fact that i could find was that um doc ock was that was digitally made younger for the film cool so he was de-aged um yeah de-aged that was really interesting because I was just like, wow, he looks incredible. Yeah. yeah, but I also didn't notice until I read it afterwards. Yeah, me too, me too. I just thought, whoa, you look like exactly the same <laughs> and didn't really question it. <laughs> I think it's because William Defoe does. And so you're like, well, if William Defoe manages to you know, semi-immortal, then everyone else can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think 
Yeah. I'm going to get in there with a fact before you rob uh, rob me of another one. Um, this uh, the trailer for this film um is the most viewed um trailer of all time, isn't it? Um, so anticipation was incredibly high. The fact that it be Endgame, I think, it, 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 yeah, it blows the mind a little bit. Yeah, it does. It's the hype and the build up to this film. Mm was is unreal for just a random in essence a random film it's not like it's not a big big marvel collaboration it's just a random solo film it's quite quite a big hype do we know it's only been out uh, two days in the uk uh, it's, not, it's not even out in america yet is it no exactly uh, yesterday in england yeah so do we know is there any box office yeah there is results so far there is and it's really exciting actually um uh, um, Maddie's not along, so she's obviously looked at the same article that I have. But um, it was gro- it's gross a se- set a huge 7.6 million on its first day in the UK. For comparison, if we think about this year and obviously how the pandemic has affected figures, No Time to Die took 4.8 million on its opening day. So Spider Man No Way Home, and this is from Screen Daily, is 58% ahead already. So that is pretty significant, just from the humble opening in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it was the biggest opening day for a Wednesday in the UK ever. Oh. Which oh. is really interesting because we can't ignore the circumstances. We've got the Omicron variant rising. Uh, there was some trepidation, I think, about returning to, to cinemas again. But people came out in their droves. <laughs> Like you guys meant, alluded to how busy the cinema was for you. It, it was the same for us. It was packed. Yeah. And that was with like half hourly screenings as well. Really? Oh, wow. It was heaving. Yeah. People sat way too close. <laughs> well, yeah, that as well. <laughs> um, I do feel a little bit for the like, cinema chains um, because they like they had this legislation and the, the booking came out um, for, for this before before obviously the new restrictions came into place. So it was kind of like, oh, what do we do now? Because they can be still open. But yeah, I mean, in a way, uh, stripping the pandemic aside for a second, if I possibly could, it, it, this is a film that you need to see in the cinema. And I know I say that about a lot of films, but it is so important for this film in terms of it's it's an experience, right? More than a film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And And I think a lot of people have been desperate to see it early on as well because of the anticipation of spoilers there's there's been a big hope that there's going to be spoilers in this and people want to get ahead of that yes that's why we went (laughs) so early (laughs) so quickly (laughs) is because we just couldn't have stuff in scrum long enough and we didn't want to risk anything um so with that let's just quickly i'll try and summarize this film before we get into the full in-depth um review it's basically um as you know from the end of far from home quentin beck in a sense deep faked a video of spider-man killing him and revealing his identity to the world so peter's life is thrown into turmoil because everyone in new york now knows who he is and whilst he's trying to apply for college in the states uh, and it affects his friend's life so he asks Doctor Strange to try and make everyone forget but in his panic he causes the spell to go a bit wrong and that causes as we've talked about already some villains from other Spider-Man films to bleed through it's called the multiverse so it's from other universes to bleed through um, and it's his job to 
try and put that right and, and fix that and be you know very spider-man about it and and try and get everything get his life perfect again as it as he wanted it that's all i'm really gonna say without going into anything else because yeah, i don't can say that's right? all i can say it's all i can say yes absolutely so with that let's let's just go full into it there's going to be spoilers from now on in because i cannot i can't dance around anything anymore because this film is too big to talk about so where do we begin i guess plot i guess we begin with the plot itself I yeah mean, the first the first thing that struck me was that it is literally within seconds of its opening it's straight it's starting straight after far from home well actually the ending of far from home is recapped for us and you get that kind of like kind of insane sequence of uh, of um, MJ being uh, swung across the city, and she's like, des- and like they're all taking photos of Spider Man, and you get that real sense of panic. Um, it really feels like a new chapter for Tom Holland Spider Man because it's been very happy go lucky, and there's a, there's a tonal shift in the sense that it's still quippy and it's still very MCU, but you really get a sense that actually this is much more of a personal film and the stakes are higher right from the off which was nice i don't know what do you guys think of the opening mm, yeah you said that i kind of forget that this really isn't long after the death of iron man um it's about, it's about, it, eight, it's about eight months i think um i read an yeah. article saying that it was set uh, a little bit after whereas like things like one division were like only like a couple of weeks after Endgame or something. Yeah, like that. Or because there's, there's quite there's some like seasonal changes in No Way Home, but the very beginning, especially because you know he deals with the death of of Tony and a lot in Far From Home, and so that opening sequence is still quite fresh. He's just gotten over the whole thing, the whole kind of Quentin Beck betrayal and all that kind of stuff, and so it's still quite raw for him in that emotional bit of the scene. So yeah, I don't, I didn't, I didn't even think about that to be honest. That. <clears throat> His character should have technically been still experiencing all that kind of like emotion that he got from the fallout of Far From Home and Endgame. With that, um, we we go into just um, Peter and and friends and family dealing with the fallout of his identity reveal, the Department of Damage Control. Yeah, <laughs> you know, trying to arrest him and all sorts of things, and that there's a ball bunch bunch of different. Um, interesting interrogation scenes and who stands out better than others and then we get pretty quickly into the first big spoiler the first big cameo the one that i was probably the most excited by in the whole film oh my goodness cameron hit me during the film (laughs) 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 and that is the first big thing and the thing i'm so excited for is that matt murdoch is mcu charlie cox is the MCU version of the Daredevil, which is so exciting because he's incredible in that role and is is the Daredevil. Everyone else can, you know, go home. He's only in it for a, a scene. A minute, if that. Yeah. A minute, yeah. if that, but it was enough to move. Go, yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, the whole yes. screen, like, cheered, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did as well. Everyone was super excited for that. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because that those tv series have always technically been in the mcu but there was so, there's been such a long gap since those tv series they've, they've sort of petered out and, and and died those those shows now that it, there was a kind of question where were they going to wipe them from canon and pretend that they didn't exist or were they going to reintegrate them and i think there was an um there was kevin feige had mentioned that charlie cox would return um and it was just a question of whether it would be in this film but most people 
although delighted, weren't surprised to see that he was in the, in this film. He fits in quite nicely in terms of that Peter's got legal troubles. But like you say, it was a very brief cameo, but it was a welcome one. Yeah. And it was it was subtle enough. And I think it was just a I think it was more not to ever going, don't worry, he's here. Like <laughs> he's canon. It's, yeah. it's fine. You'll see him later. It's enough for us to go, okay, he's there, we're good. And it's also quite it is quite comic based. Um Matt Murdock does represent Spider Man in a few things in comics, I believe. Um, and so it and you know, he does everything basically pro bono. <laughs> so it makes sense that Spider Man or may who isn't wealthy would seek out such such legal advice and like i just saw it as a i mean i already knew that this film was going to be you know pretty epic but i just thought yeah this is it this is going to be good (laughs) yeah this is the start of everything that is to come (laughs) yeah yes yes so then i have to talk about i guess one of the big plot points is no, maybe it's a big point, but the world is really divided over opinions over Spider-Man after the Quentin Beck fiasco, um, fueled by the media and J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson specifically. There's people who think Spider-Man is a hero, you know, the whole save the universe from Thanos kind of deal and save London. And there's people who think that he genuinely did um, murder Quentin Beck in London. And so there's a lot of political debate and public debate over kind of whether he should be arrested or not and he's trying to deal with and deal with the thought of that that i did find it really interesting is the school scene and i found it interesting that when he went into school and those teachers <laughs> the teachers who built the shrine i find it interesting that they even had that teacher who believed he killed him stand there and be like you you're murdered though you know and they didn't try and protect him in school from a school sense. I thought it's just it's, it's interesting. It was tone, that was totally odd. Um, and I haven't quite expressed it yet. I felt like the first, not half. I think that's a bit too. There's too much. But I think the first bit, although I did like the opening sequence, I do think this is where it started to get a little bit odd. I really wasn't sure where it was going. I felt like they they were sweeping very quickly through some very traumatic stuff. Um, and I sort of get it. It's a Spider-Man film. Let's get to the action. But I did feel like there was more time to play around with how isolated he was uh, he was being made to feel. And I feel like it was more like we've got a really exciting story to tell, but we need to just get through this bit first. So, yeah, I, I that that didn't sit necessarily it wasn't awful don't get me wrong it just it it didn't feel like on par with what was to come it felt like we're just trying to sweep the rug out I got the impression that it was like the I thought it was a bit odd at the time but that the teachers were kind of scared of Spider-Man because he's like this big villain guy Mm. now and they were being like very sycophantic to kind of be like come on you can like us be on our side don't kill us because we like you look we've created the shrine <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely you, you are right Edna. it was, and, it was and, like I said it was inoffensive yeah it, that that settled down with me a bit I think the bit where I started to get a bit worried was the whole MIT um application thing um and kind of similar to what you were saying it just seemed very quick from the, all this traumas happen it's all very isolating the whole world hates him and it's not until he gets rejected from MIT that he's suddenly like oh I need to do something about it <laughs> and yeah. just like fell well I think because at, at that point it was mainly mainly only affecting him yeah um, and yeah, so I think the MIT there. the MIT the whole the whole point of 
I've got to do something about it is because when they all got rejected following the controversy surrounding their lives, he at that point realised, oh, my actions have really affected the futures of my girlfriend and my best friend, and they've, they've affected their lives more than anything. And I, so I think that was the driving force. I do think that they sort of got over the political drama very quickly. So after the interrogations and Matt Murdock appears, he's like, he's like on the phone, like, great. Well, there's no legal thing against you, so you're good. I was confused about that. I was just like, I'm pretty sure that it, that, I mean, I didn't need a film looking at the legal no. ramifications of it, but it was very like, oh, okay. You know, they, they, you know, but they could have gone, maybe they could have tried to explain it a bit more. Maybe, you know, oh, they realised the video was deep faked or it was, you know, it was created, not genuine footage, which they would be able to figure out, especially the technology yeah. of the MCU. And so they just was like, there's no case. Boom. Let's move on to the teenage part, you know, the, the school part of your life now. And then it's okay, once that's done, okay, let's move on to the the story, the Spider-Man part of your life. And I do think maybe for me it's the only real weakness of this film is there's certain key plot points that really struggle to hold up. So that kind of like jumping pace and then the whole for me, I I I really struggled in the end with just just press the button. Just, oh, just are we the... zooming ahead here? I was going to say, we I know. jumped. Like, <laughs> I know, we're going to come back to it. We're, we're going to come back to it. <laughs> we're going to come back to it. But like, I just feel like there's, there's certain key plot points so that were yeah. just a bit too like... I think I know which bit you mean. Like, Yeah. yeah. So that, that probably is the weakest part of the film was there was too much they wanted to get too to. much in the uh, earlier bit that they had to zoom by to tell the more interesting story which i guess is if you're going to sacrifice something it's not the end of the world but how relatable was that um uh, scene though when they're all opening up the letters and i was just like oh gosh yeah i'm so glad i'm not that age anymore it's like the the tension and yeah i, I appreciated that they they showed that because it, they, it is fundamentally a high that what is different about this piece parker is he actually feels like he's been at school that is not a new thing obviously that's been since homecoming but that was it was nice that they kept that before the big fanfare that there was i know i've just said i seem to be contradicting myself but i did like the fact that we saw the implications of the school the school and the moving on to the next stage of your life because i think it's set up the journey that he goes on in this film quite nicely so a bit paradoxical my opinion this is the first half of the film <laughs> I mean I've been so torn about this as well like the I've always loved the fact like the the first two Spider-Man films that kind of teen feel that they've got to them but then with this one was almost like it seemed a bit silly when all of that stuff's been going on that he is still that teen but then at the same time I liked it. I yeah, I can. But this it. this film is the transition film. Yeah. And we'll get to that, especially at the ending, mm-hmm. and especially with um, some of the behaviors of certain other characters. We'll talk about in a little bit. Um, this is very much the the move. It's the it's the coming of age film for Spider Man. It's a plot point as well, is it not? That you um, Strange actively turns around and says. I forget that you are a shot. You are a kid. Um, yeah. Wow. So yeah. There's there's a lot of different themes and motifs in this film. I think that it's quite challenging to find that balance. So with the whole teenage drama over, he goes to Doctor Strange, who is no longer Sorcerer Supreme, which I thought was really interesting. Like yeah, little subtle, yeah. little subplot in there, just like whoop, it's it's uh, Wong. 
<laughs> on a, a technicality that I died for five years. You know, yeah, yeah, it was YOLO. just very like glossed over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> YOLO. Um, and I, I don't quite get the whole point of having like the blizzard inside. Yeah, I, I don't think I understood that either. <laughs> it just felt a bit like uh, confusing. That was I don't understand what the whole kind of point of having that narrative in there was for. It was it to set. Mi- I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> they did actually. They did explain it in the film. It was a really well, beca- one-off line, but it just it's seems because really there's ridiculous. there was some portal to some other sanctum that wasn't sealed properly, so a blizzard blew through the sanctum. But I just don't get narratively why they chose to do that. Yeah, it feels like there was a narrative point to that when you first saw it in the trailer. It was just like, oh, why this win- wintry land? What's going on is here? It, is it a way to get rid of Wong? Because he's like packing it to go to somewhere else, isn't well, he? He's going to the 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 Shang Chi uh, club fight thing. Oh, that's really poorly articulated. But he's he, he says that he's like part time employed elsewhere, and I presume that was the when he was fighting with that abom- abomination. That's what I thought it was. So uh, yeah, maybe it was to get rid of Wong so that the yeah, Doctor I, I Strange could do that. More like a pathetic fallacy kind of thing, like that he's he's walking in and he's like really cold and. Um, that I don't know if I'm thinking too deep into it for an MCU film, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just impressed scene. that you, you you use pathetic fallacy as an English teacher. That warmed my heart. There. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are talking about the snow, and really, we should be getting guessing that I can't believe we're not. We need to keep. We need to talk we about need it. To keep we can going. feel the energy right. in the room. Yes. We want to talk about this. We are. We're like de- we're itching to get to it. Come on. Okay, so they go down and they perform this spell, <clears throat> which is to make everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider Man. Um, everyone, Doctor Strange, everyone, his his girlfriend, his his aunt May, every everything. Um. Uh, but Peter gets a bit panicky and it's like, wait, can this person, can this person, can this person, can this person not remember? Because, you know, all, all these different kind of issues. And it Doctor Strange obliges every single time until the spell kind of gets out of control and they break into the other dimensions, uh, which he contains. And they think that's it, really. At which point, at which point they find out he could have just tried to ask MIT to get into MIT instead of just kind of panicking and going to use magic. Uh, and Spider-Man then decides to go and do that and try and f- find the admissions person and um, convince her to let them into MIT or well, um, MJ and Ned specifically. Uh, and that is when he is attacked by, first of all, Doc Ock. Yes, um, this is when it really bridge. starts. Yes, yes. Okay, we we we're in the bit where we want to we we can start to drive through now, can't we? <laughs> yes. um, that was that was that was a good scene. Um, it was so good to see him back in action, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it, Go on. He, he he struggled. He technically lost against Doc Ock very very quickly, and I think it also makes me realize this film that not how weak the villains have been in the MCU compared to the other Spider-Man film because Doc Ock was really going for it, you know lifting up cars and all sorts of things was 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 happening and it was just really interesting to to see this spider-man take on other universe versions of of villains i mean doc ock is is he he is the best spider-man villain of the films arguably in terms of the he's the most i would say he was the best well realized he was the most well realized um like i watched spider-man 2 in the run up run up to this for obvious reasons and i forgot how much of like a, a horror aspect it has that scene where they're operating on his 
on their ten- their tentacles and like trying to move like remove them and it like you've got the nurse being dragged across the floor with and it was just like it was like a meeting of different worlds like you've got this character that is from a very not very a different tonal universe with Tom Holland's quippiness I didn't think it would I was worried but I was just like this is just amazing nostalgia bait 101 but I don't care yeah and I think Alfred Molina is the epitome of Doc Ock really it's it's what everyone thinks about when you think of, of Doc Ock and most of them him and William Defoe especially are I think the epitome of the MCU villains that they well not the MCU the Spider-Man villains that they portray and I always find it cause it's really interesting that because that in a way Dr. Oct Octavius is not actually a villain the tentacles mm, and the yeah. neural chip inside the burnt neural chip is what makes him villainous but that's um, kind of the whole point of this film isn't it that our what makes a villain a villain like are any of them true villains yeah and so we kind of get a, like, like a rush through of very quickly you know he you know nanotech um is quite useful and helps him take control of the of the rings and that's when green goblin appears and dr strange saves him from green goblin and very quickly lays down the exposition that great so bad guys have appeared from other universes who all know spider-man you've now got to go and hunt him down good luck yeah, oh, I've captured, I've, yeah, I've captured a giant lizard. There he is. Have fun. Find them. Use use TikTok and WhatsApp. And this is, and this is where I started to worry because I was just like, is that the scope of this film? Catching the villains and putting them back. I was just like, I almost wish that we, there was just one villain. And I started to get, oh no, Spider Man three, Amazing Spider Man two, Warning Bell, Warning Bell. This is a really thin plot. <laughs> But then, of course, you've got the morality issue because they realise that he, uh, they're all going to die if they return back to their reality. And it's that great big ethical quandary that actually, I think, opens up the film. And that's where it starts to really have a clear identity for me. I don't, mm. know, I don't know what you guys thought about that. Yeah, it's probably the one, the because that moral question is the, the plot concept I struggled with because from a hero's perspective... Is it just safer just to send them back and let them deal with that universe because it's nothing to do with you? I think I'm still very early Spider-Man was like, it's not my problem. They're not my villains. Mm. Um, or, like, they, they're they bad people. <laughs> is that what they deserve? <laughs> like, what morally, like, what what justice, like, what is justice? And, mm. and, and I think... I, I I do I seem I notice that I do this a lot with my reviews but this just seems to be how I, I channel my life it really got Doctor Who vibes and I know that sounds really strange but bear with bear with me bear with me Dan do you like Doctor Who really <laughs> is that really <laughs> but like I like it is it is logically practically rationally it is quite it, it should be very simple but Spider-Man as I understand Spider-Man, represents not what, well, not what could possibly be the most logical solution, but what's the right choice? What is the right right choice? That moral choice, that the, the thing that nobody else would do. And I love that it was May that points out to him, you know, like with, with Feast, and I like how they integrate Feast, um, that actually you've got a very vulnerable man here in Green Goblin, because uh, he kind of takes on that kind of, William Defoe really gets to play the two sides and he actually, she actually points out, you know what, he does deserve to be saved. He's got a storm in his mind. It's not just, it's not just him. 
it's actually that this is a, this is somebody that's appealing for your help and just because it's convenient to you to send them back that doesn't mean it's the right choice and I bought into that kind of heroic ethic moral that's what any good hero should do the right choice even if it's silly sometimes yeah it's just the it's the question I struggled with in the film I I, I just giving giving them a second chance because I guess Tom Holland didn't know how many chances they'd had in their previous universe and so like, was they on their fourth or fifth chance what had they done you know he he never delved into really their history what why are they the way they are what have they done did they deserve uh, to be saved a fourth fifth time yeah I had to remind myself watching that watching the film that Tom we know what they've done because we've seen all the other films but yeah. Tom Holland Peter Parker has has no idea like they're just this is the first time he's seen these guys and for example like the Sandman that's he actually helped him in the the battle so that's his only interaction with him he's not going to see him as a as a villain like you could see why he felt strongly that he needed a second chance as well yeah because when they fought electro yeah the sandman was there to actually defend him and work Mm -hmm. with him and and help him and his entire i mean his entire purpose in that film was to i want to go back to my daughter which is was his original goal in the yeah that was in the film anyway yeah it was consistent um I do want to say one thing I really liked about this film is like I feel like they more or less got every villain right. Yeah. And like with Electro, they fixed him where they messed up previously. They they sort of corrected any wrongs they'd, they'd done in the previous films and made it all right here. Um, me, me and Maddie spoke about when we watched the film that you realised just how much of the arch nemesis Green Goblin is through this film. Yeah, I mean, he's the, ma- he's the main villain, yeah. right? Yeah. He was um, absolutely fantastic as a villain. Yeah, and he was such a real problem for Spider-Man in this one. It's, he's, he was the only villain that Spider-Man had a problem with, which is conflicting because he's the reason that he wanted to save everybody because he's got that split personality. He's got the goblin version of himself and the real version of himself. Um, and he really struggled with that. And because when it's a, when it's the goblin version, he is undeniably really difficult. He, he forces Peter to cross a line to try and defeat him, which is the whole point I think of, of the goblin wanting you to, to, to go beyond what you should do. But you really realize just how much of the OG Willem Dafoe and the green goblin is and how dangerous he can be because i guess in spider-man i think in lore isn't it green goblin is a failed version of the captain america program so he's in essence a super soldier which is why he's as strong and as like he's like the the angry version of the serum of the serum and that's why he's as powerful as he is because well, like Hulk. yeah so that i think it's actually i think it is meant to be a weaponized version of captain america originally but that's why he's as strong it's like basically spider-man taking on a really angry version of captain america with you know a demonic bomb side to him um i guess that but makes... I, oh, doesn't that make like the artistry of the the last scene like just like amazing like the fact that they were building a captain america shield onto the statue of liberty and then he's yeah. fighting on the, the underside of that shield like on the on the underside of it yeah 
Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's yeah, just yeah, beautiful. That's <laughs> yeah, that is really good. Um, listeners, um, if Cameron is uh, Cameron's geeky knowledge is wrong, write in and tell us. But he sounds very convincing, and I feel like I've read that as well. <laughs> but we don't know. We do, we have not got that in front of us. So tell us. I, I love how I don't even question it. I just blindly agree with Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> you will be like us. Um, I mean that gets us. I mean this discussion of the goblin gets us onto the the the. I for me the 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 scene in the film that made me cry, um, which is May. Goblin kills her. Yes, he oh does. Can I just say, I'm so glad they killed her. I knew you'd say this. I was even thinking in the film. I could like <laughs> hear Cameron's voice being like, "I'm so glad they committed to killing a character." <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Right, though. Because imagine if an ambulance came up and she survived. Yeah. And I was like, it's like, if you think about it, there's no way at full speed that glider didn't break her back. I was so confused. I was like, how are you fine? Mm. I really <laughs> thought that she wasn't going to die. Like, it was when she said the line. Oh, my goodness. I got chills. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. And then and it was as she said it, I was like she's gonna die yeah. what i liked about that was that this what i realized is we were watching the peter pa- tom holland peter parker become the P- peter parker that we've known since 2001 it, well yeah obviously the comics but like since you know the very first uh sam Raimi film um Raimi film and it, it was like he needed that loss because she installs throughout this throughout this film, throughout the three series, she installs those morals, those ethics that that kind of code in him more so perhaps than even Iron Man. Iron Man gave him the tech, gave him the but she gave him Spider-Man. She gave him the heart. And it just it really got to me. Um, and I've I've listened to a review where somebody's criticised that. There is a lack of there is a lack of female representation in the film, and that is true. But they were saying that it was sexist that this um, Aunt May had been killed off. Now I'm not a woman. I I can't fully articulate and uh, and f- fully appreciate that. But I fe- I genuinely felt narratively. I don't believe that is the case. I felt narratively it served its purpose. It motivated and moved the plot forward. And maybe that's the issue that you know a woman has to die to move the male character forward but in this sense it was so key and rooted to the spider-man story and it was so well played and so well played they acted their socks off those two um i I don't i don't uh, i don't see that criticism but i'd be interested to see what people thought maddie as a woman do you have any thoughts on this (laughs) i was waiting for you to look at me um i mean i was so engrossed in the film like I didn't notice it to be honest like now that you've pointed it out to me I am very aware (laughs) there was a lack of female representation there's basically Aunt May and MJ right yeah and maybe some admissions woman from (laughs) (laughs) yeah like okay it's now glaringly obvious (laughs) and I do feel like quite a bad woman to have not noticed it however that aside I don't think you can take away from Aunt May's death like that was like you said it was completely needed in the story and it was just it was tragic it was beautiful it was like you said the acting was absolutely phenomenal and just you needed that for spider-man's character arc i think the moment when 
it's traditionally it's Uncle Ben that dies. Um, so, but in this case, it is Ame because there has been no Uncle Ben. There's been no mention of Uncle Ben really in the, in this trilogy. But the moment when his guardian dies and then says, "With great power becomes great responsibility," is that turning point always for Spider Man? Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of point to that article. Traditionally, it's always Uncle Ben that has died, mm-hmm. and it's it's more about the death having meaning. Yes, I I almost, almost regardless who it is, and that's why they've changed it. It doesn't matter who it is. She was more the the, the more important guardian in his life because Uncle Ben wasn't around for whatever reason, and so it was her that delivers that emotional impact and that essential part of his character. That line and that that moment of seeing someone die, being unable to stop them dying by someone, and th- then being fueled by that rage to take them on is, and overcoming that rage is an essential part of the Spider-Man character. And is an, and that is typified in what follows, um, which I know uh, we're going to want to talk about. I felt that if that scene hadn't happened, then what follows, which we'll talk about in a second it, it, it feels like i can't say it i feel yeah. like um i don't think it would hit anywhere near as hard yeah. it would that it would be more fan service mm. oh should we just get it out of the way can somebody just say it please i don't feel like i can uh, so uh tom holland is, oh, okay. i'm gonna call them by tom holland because it will get confusing and yes it will um tom holland has gone off to grieve and yep. Um, MJ and Ned are, are looking for him and Ned opens up a portal and says show me Peter Parker and oh my goodness the buzz in the cinema yeah. waiting like you could see the silhouette work walking towards you Cameron sat beside me going it's not him it's not him it's not him you could, and see, like, you could <laughs> see the silhouette you could tell it was Andrew I I took way too uh, i was way too slow on the uptake it took me until he was quite close through the portal for me to go oh my god it was no for me it was as soon as as soon as he said i saw that silhouette i was like oh my goodness it's gonna be oh it's gonna be andrew garfield oh come on it has to be and gosh oh this did your cinema clap and yep cheers and claps i like nearly stood up and Listeners, she's literally still standing up right now. Yeah. She doesn't know what to do with herself. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. So Andrew Garfield appeals appears appears in Amazing Spider-Man costume, full suited and booted, and has a slightly awkward, funny exchange with MJ and Ned, involving some bread being thrown at him, having to prove he's Peter Parker. Um, dusting cobwebs. Yeah, oh, dusting cobwebs. I loved it. I've got to say, I loved it. Um, I did I did feel that Andrew Garfield was a little different in this film as he was in Amazing Spider-Man, but I feel it's because he's lonely. Mm. I feel like his Spider-Man was lonely and that he just wanted other people. You know, he'd obviously... His version of Spider-Man, interestingly, was after Amazing Spider-Man 2, undisclosed yeah. amount of time from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, and I I got the sense from him, which is why he acted very different from his original character. It was quite confident and cocky. This one was quite like quippy and lonely almost. I got the sense of loneliness for him, which I thought was an interesting um, yeah. development of his character. He and was then quite clearly grieving, and wasn't he still? Yeah, yeah, he really struggled with that. And then after that, they open another portal to find Peter Parker, 
And Dan, who steps out of that pool? It's Toby Maguire! The OG! Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, people were just like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like it, it's quite interesting. I feel like the Andrew Garfield reveal, although both both, both in this, my cinema got lots of screams, I feel like the Andrew Garfield one landed like quite, because I don't think people were quite ready for it. And then you knew that Tobey Maguire had to come. So it was exciting. But yeah, he just walks in and and, like, but he's not in his suit. And at first I was just like, what is is going, why is he not in his suit? Um, And then they start quipping with each other. And I'm reminded why, why didn't this happen sooner? This is amazing. And yeah, we're all going crazy at this point. (laughs) Yeah, they have they have a few quips and they they use their common Peter knowledge to go and find Tom Holland on the roof of the school, I believe it is. Yeah, I think so um, on the roof of the school. And then they have that shared bond. They they express their shared losses and griefs and sadness as 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 they've been where Tom Holland is now. You know, they've they've experienced that death of that guardian and, and that loss um, and that rage. And they all shared that little little moment it reminded me of a you know when you like almost like that somebody asked you oh if you could go back and give you younger advice a younger self some advice what would it be it reminded me of that kind of a wish fulfillment of that scene yeah. because it's very much a, a, a very much like we do actually know what you're going through you will get through this and it was really affirming i, I really liked it, it was i just and i just thought tom holland was superb because the, like he was carrying so much emotion during that scene and then he's like acting in front of like against you know what I mean um Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire like two huge huge actors and Spider-Man men and he just really held his ground and I know he's been in a lot of films and he's very successful now but he's still like the the younger mm-hmm. the younger Spider-Man I think there's still been a lot of talk about does he play Spider-Man right and and all of that and I just think he he did really really well. <laughs> I did feel that in a way this film was almost passing the baton over like giving yes. the seal of approval to Tom mm-hmm. Holland especially because our Tom Holland has been set much earlier in Spider-Man's life than the previous two and by the end of it he basically catches up to where we start with Tobey Maguire and, and that so I feel like they've kind of gone you've been the kid and now we are giving you the approval to be the adult version of Spider-Man so here yes. you go and, and and move on it was it was ve- almost very literally passing the torch across <laughs> the universes um to allow Tom Holland to step out like come of age really Mm-hmm. I know we're skipping a bit, but you know, one of the very, very last shots of the film is him walking into a rented apartment that is run down, that is very, very much in keeping with Peter's mm-hmm. like working class roots, his struggle of being, frankly, a bit of a nobody, which is, I think, something that people felt with Homecoming, and and more, and with the Andrew Garfield being slightly more cooler aspect, people felt had sort of been lost that kind of those working class roots and the kind of you really feel that watching watching Toby Maguire ones uh, back that this is this is very much a character who is struggling uh, economically and like I know I know we're skipping ahead a bit but like it is nice to see him come come to the the Spider Man that we know that he will go on to be if that makes yeah. sense absolutely so with that they. 
have a scene in the school lab where they basically um fabricate ways to cure all the villains because spider-man wants to tom holland sorry wants to honor art may's memory and mm-hmm. cure them give them that second chance before they send them back so they all you know get get really clever and i think sometimes we we can forget that spider-man's meant to be a genius yeah right um especially because tom holland's so quippy and has been involved in so much you forget that he is like really really clever um and so they all have the, the moment, they have the really interesting moment where they find out that Tobey Maguire doesn't have web shooters and can shoot mm-hmm. from his hands. His wife <laughs> I that. love that. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they get ready to go and Ned is terrified he's going to become a villain mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> based on the other two's experiences. And then they set up the big boss battle at the end. Um, they go to the under construction Statue of Liberty um that has the captain america shield on it um and they basically call in the um the bad guys yeah it was and it it was it was a good battle yeah it was everybody got their moment everybody yeah. like it was it was like it was like a little mini end game that's well i say mini end game if the scope of it still felt huge but it, it was that it was that kind of cathartic nature the, the final battle and oh my gosh did you guys love the bit where um uh, I think I heard a few R's and, and like got a gasp in my cinema when MJ falls. Yes. And yay, Andrew Garfield gets a chance to catch her. I love yeah. the symmetry there. I know, I know it's not like a thingy, but. But you could almost feel the panic in him yeah. when Tom Holland is sweeped away by Green Goblin. You feel the panic when he sees that and's like, oh no. Basically, kind of like not another one and like races to catch her. And I was like, is he going to do it? Like oh he failed last time was, <laughs> and then and then the emotion from him when yeah. he succeeded yeah he's so good Andrew Garfield I mean Garfield if anybody's so recently seen Tick Tick Boom oh um, don't get me started on Tick Tick Boom <laughs> he's just he's just sensational he's a sensational actor he really is and I love I hmm I in time I don't know whether I, I, I'll, I'll be annoyed by this but I they do very consciously very consciously acknowledge that compared to the storylines that Toby Maguire and Tom Holland have got and villains that he's got he he actually makes what does he say oh I got a Russian guy in a mech mech yeah. rhino suit yeah. uh, and he was like I feel I'm like lame. really under, yeah. underappreciated or like yeah. like I'm um, lame. Yeah, I'm quite lame. I loved that um, Toby Maguire was like, "You're amazing. You you are amazing." Because I'm like, "Yes, you're the amazing Spider-Man." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did that exact same thing in my head. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought them comparing their lives and their their fights. And it, I also like Tom was like, "Uh, what else have you fought?" Just you know, trying to get some extra info. Mm-hmm. And they they lay down the um the venom. You know, I was like, oh, I was, you know, a green, a black goo alien. You know, I fought him and all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, they have they have their big fight where they got to learn to fight. And it's quite interesting that Toby and Andrew have never fought in a team before. And they're like, yeah. well, I don't know how to fight with other people. And Tom was like, well, I do. I'm the Avengers. And <laughs> Toby's like, the Avengers, that's great. Who are they? <laughs> are they a band? <laughs> oh, that was another bit that I was just like... Oh, I love this so and much. It, it reminded what was really nice was because 
going into the film there was a there was in the trailer there was a bit where they're like that they, they all like all the, the the three kids laugh at otto octavius and i saw somebody be like i really don't like this thing where the mcu feels like they have to poke fun at, at its own product uh, its, uh, its own source material all the time it's a little bit exhausting what they did was that then flip that and they made they kind of made fun of their own kind of like that kind of the the high drama of the avengers and things like that and it really felt like they were kind of it was the the mickey taking was fair game it was it was for for all of them really i I, yeah i'm not sure it was clear there but but like i said also earlier that i feel like the way they also complimented that was that they made the other villains from outside the universe almost op so strong and so much more of a threat than the vulture ever was you know like yeah in terms of like power level but in terms yeah. of like charisma i let's just quickly say michael keaton still oh. fantastic, fantastic i mean for me the scene where he reveals when you see like when tom goes on that date and then mark Keaton opens the door i'm still like oh! yeah every still time like, oh that's, that's one of the best reveals i've ever seen but i also um, think like you don't need the most powerful villain for every film like it needs no. to be like Tom Holland in Homecoming, the whole point was that he was a brand new superhero. Like he wasn't even really a superhero. He'd had like one fight. And as Iron Man says, like, yes, he was fighting against Captain America. But if Captain America had really wanted to kill him, then he could have done. Like he couldn't have fought someone like the Green Goblin back then. Um, So I think it was important that the the Vulture wasn't the most powerful villain at that time. I, I just I just think they make it quite obvious that these villains are a step up from what he's faced before. Yeah. If the, the the fighting is much more visceral and much more yeah. aggressive. I don't know if you guys at any point like when he's when he's like I think it, I think it's uh, obviously aside from the bit when he, he nearly kills Green, Gob, Green Goblin. Um, the bit in uh, Happy's safe house when he's literally on top of Green Goblin and he's punching him, punching him, punch. I'm like, this is an aggressive side to Peter that we this Peter that we haven't seen before, and mm-hmm. you know we don't need the we don't need the um uh, symbiote to to get there. It's uh. It was really quite yeah. scary. Yeah, before he's always kind of been like, oh, I don't really want to hurt you. Or he's like, kind of used his web to like, just anchor people and, and trap them, yeah. but not knock them out like yeah. other people do. It felt yeah. jarring. And I think that's yeah. what they were going for. It, it was meant to be jarring. And going on to that Green Goblin fight at the very end. So they, they throughout the, you know, the file, they they cure everyone they fix everyone they'd already they previously had fixed um, doc ock with a new neural chip um earlier on in the film and then he's he's on that he's on the upturned shield with the green goblin and i believed for a moment that he was going to kill him yeah me too I, and it was interesting to to watch them and i was like they but they can't there's no way they would show spider-man beating a guy to death with his bare fists like it's like that is a huge shift it's like there's no way they can do it but i'm glad that they they did it well enough that i i believe they would i was fully because they'd killed out may earlier um because they weren't afraid to make those big moves i was i was i was genuinely believing that green goblin's about to die um and and it's that emotion that tom holland was giving was just I think that's what made it. Yeah, I really do. And 
it wasn't until Tobey Maguire steps in and really has to use all his strength to stop Tom Holland from stabbing Green Goblin in the face, who then in turn gets stabbed. Yeah, that was shocking, and I thought they were going to kill him, but then they didn't. I know it was a bit. It. Um, it was a bit odd because it was a bit like if you're going to do that and then not commit to the killing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that we've got Toby Maguire still in the universe, but it did feel a bit like, do we need that actually, or is it more in more interest? Is the drama more in the fact that he's stopping him killed? That's where the drama is. It's not yeah. like a cheap like stab but actually because then they turned it into a joke didn't they oh yeah I'm, you're in love I've been stabbed before you? yeah yeah yeah, I've yeah I, I don't it wasn't all again it wasn't bad I'm still totally invested in the drama but I don't think that bit was entirely necessary yeah yeah I just saw it as a solidifying how evil the green goblin was yeah I'll take that. I'm happy to take that. Like, yeah, I love even this even though he was even though he's been saved by this person, he'll still kill him. Mm. Yeah, you know he's he's almost unsavable. Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, how much more pain can this guy cause? Yeah, like, yeah, until he's cured. He's he's then cured um, with an anti serum. <laughs> yeah, and then we get to we haven't even talked about how Doc Doctor Strange. And how they had a fight through the mirror universe. We, did talk um, about that, no. <laughs> we completely forgot about that. Um, which Tom Holland won through math, which I don't and understand. It was visually stunning, wasn't it? Yeah, very, Those very. Always are, aren't they? The mirror, like I, for, for me, I don't think I had anything will top um, the Thanos uh, Doctor Strange fight in Infinity War. I think that used to utilize it so well. But yeah, mm-hmm. I always love those sequences. Yeah, I do have a question about this. The, this kind of this point in the film so um they i can't remember if this was just before or just after it but uh dr strange does his thing where he you know shoves a- astral sep- punches you yeah yeah and separates uh tom holland's soul um and he's able to still move his body oh yeah what is that explained anywhere why is he able to do that i don't remember it's not explained at all i think it might be just i think it's meant to show how because spider-man technically even in the civil war comics is the strongest avenger um spider-man has the most strength the most speed the most skill etc most stamina um he's actually in the original comics of civil war i think it's he's the one that whichever side he joins will win because he's the tipping point and so maybe it's just to represent that he is super fast and strong that even astrally he has great reflexes and yeah that's right his body yeah that spider sense is lingering and that's that's what's protecting his body at all times so that'd be my guess but i don't know yeah i don't think they did explain that i'll go with that explanation it didn't bother me like i've only just realized that that wasn't explained so it clearly doesn't matter (laughs) to me (laughs) yeah so with strange back in the fight um after escaping the main universe he is trying to reset or recontain the the spell um and spider-man offers him a chance to recast it because the the spell's cracking and everyone everyone who knows and hates peter parker is bleeding through the the multiverse and he can't stop them and so he's like well make everyone forget everywhere doesn't matter don't exclude anyone make everyone forget that i'm spider-man i don't know if in essence he kind of wonderful life's it and like wipes him from existence but his actions are still recorded, so I don't know if it. I don't 
I don't quite get how the spell is meant I to have worked. It's just simply Tom Holland, Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is no longer identifiable as Spider-Man. I think that's as far. But yeah. then it's quite interesting that, like, he can't mm. even say that that Aunt May was his relative. So, yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't, like, I don't, that's why I, I, I'm confused by that bit. Why doesn't MJ and Ned know him? Because he wasn't always Spider-Man. Mm, that's true and but then at the same time she still has things like she's still got the cut on her head because that's like Mm. reference to um that's kind of like the reason one of the reasons why he doesn't reveal who he is at the end um and she's also wearing a necklace that he bought her in one of the previous films as well like so uh black dahlia yeah so it's still his actions have still got yeah consequences okay. so have have they just removed peter parker or actually is it is that what we said did you say make everyone forget peter parker i thought it was that make everyone forget that peter parker is spider-man i think it but, might actually might be make everyone forget peter parker yeah it i must think be because like you said they were at school together beforehand yeah, yeah. so they they would have had a passing yes i think uh, yeah maybe that and actually like if you think about where they're going with this i think then kevin foggy or somebody's mentioned that they're looking to do another tr- trilogy aren't they but yes, I won't the direct, sony director have said that tom holland has another trilogy right okay oh, well, so i makes... didn't i heard that tom holland didn't know if he was in it or not but they're gonna do another spider-man trilogy yeah right. tom holland is confirmed to have another trilogy in him like it yeah, it would be daft not i mean they've 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 really reset it now so they can go back to basics and I mean, we get the Venom tease, don't we? Um, which I thought was very clever because I don't, ne- as much as I like Tom Hardy, I don't think he would sit very well. No, with it's so Tom different Hardy. tonally. I, yeah. I'm not the biggest, like, I like Tom Hardy. I'm not the biggest fan of the Venom films. I don't think they're done necessarily well. I don't think Venom 2 was done well at all. Well, we went to see yeah. it. We, we didn't yeah. review it because yeah. it was because that, it, that, that, that good. Um. And so I, I don't think he really fits, and I don't I don't like I don't like the this voice of Venom, and I don't think he fits the MCU very well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the leftover symbiote does. I'm really interested to see where this next trilogy goes because one of the reasons why I've loved this Spider-Man trilogy so much is because he is that teen and like. A lot of criticism about the other Spider-Man films is that they don't seem like they're at high school. And if we're kind of just rejoining that point, what does that mean, like, for Spider-Man? Is he just going to become another generic superhero? Well, they got the the Miles Morales reference. Yes, they're Um, building to Miles Morales taking over 100%. That's twice now he's been referenced. Yeah, I mean, it was. I thought it was quite... It, it's one of those things where they they ref, Jamie Fox goes like you know to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I thought you would be black um, because you know you're you're a voice for the you know the oppressed blah blah blah. I can't remember the exact speech, but you know you're from um, you're from Queens. Queens, yeah, absolutely. And I was a bit like, yeah, but you did that. You did. You mentioned Miles in the first film, Homecoming. In Homecoming, you know, I've got a nephew. Blah blah blah. I was just like. We really should have got to this point by now. Miles should have been in. I understand narratively why he wouldn't have fit in, if fitted into that film, but it, we're we need Miles now. Miles should be front and center of his own live action film. I mean, Into the Spider Verse is amazing, mm-hmm. but we really do. We really should be seeing uh, 
a live action Miles now. So I'm I'm imagining he will factor into mm. it somehow. Miles and possibly Gwen Stacy. She's not appeared yet, and she becomes Spider Woman. Um, so that would be interesting if they, if that appears. I do I do agree that I was wondering where they're gonna take Phase Four. And they've brilliantly, in my mind, reset Spider-Man for Phase 4. They've kind of cut off the whole Avengers thing. Like, the Avengers now don't know who he is. He's reset as, like, a, you know, I imagine he'll be set up going into photography like he always does. I find it interesting. It was a throwaway line, potentially, in the film that Norman Osborn says there are no Osborn. Oscorp does not exist in this world. So where is the goblins going to come from? Because Harry and Norman Osborn are his arch enemies. The Green and the Hobgoblin, respectively, are the big villains, and you would I think... I don't think they'll use them for a long while, because we just had William Defoe's Goblin again. I, yeah. I think it'll be a while before we get to those guys again. It's just, it's just interesting, because they said the Osborns don't exist, for Oscorp doesn't exist, and I yeah. thought that Oscorp had bought the Avengers Tower, or Stark Tower, but maybe it's becoming the Reed Richards Tower instead. So I read something interesting, and I'm like completely stolen this from someone else this is not my (laughs) um thing but there was the reference in the lab to ned saying am i am i going to become your villain like i'm your best friend like in all this but ned has now actually forgotten who peter parker is Mm. so is that a big foreshadowing to maybe a a villainous ned i had i had heard something similar that ned was being led to become the hobgoblin so I, I had heard something along those lines. I hope not. He just looked adorable in that cloak. I want him to be in, in Doctor Strange, um, a multiverse of madness. And I do think he might be in that as well, actually, though, because of his newfound powers. That I did think, yeah. I bet he'll appear in that. Because Doctor Strange wouldn't have forgotten that? No, Doctor Strange wouldn't have. Oh, 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 yeah. How does this work? Oh, wait, oh. has Ned forgotten? Ned must have forgotten. No. Oh, Ned's definitely forgotten because he can't remember the battle. Yeah, because it, it, it from their perspective, do they forget? Do, do they know that they had a battle and it was with Spider-Man, but they don't know who Spider? No, they must have just forgotten. I think they. I think we're overcomplicating it. I think the idea <laughs> is that they've just completely forgotten him, right? We don't know. We'll find out. Does we'll he still have out. the ring? No, a strange took that off him. Yeah, got him. The minute he came out of the um the portal he like zapped it back into his hand oh okay that's the film we've we've done it all yeah i think have we yeah we have more or less more i or mean less. i feel we've there's so bits. much more that we could talk about yeah. but <laughs> be here for hours yeah um okay so let's with that let's go to critics corner jingle <laughs> this is going down quite well very very well um on imdb it's a 9.2 at the moment with thirty-seven thousand reviews um that probably will drop a little bit but i imagine it'll stay high 80s high eight maybe um it's a 71 metacritic at the moment at least on my run tomorrow it doesn't have an audience score yet because there's not enough um but it's at 94 rated on the critics reviews um i do believe on day one it was actually 100 rated um before yeah. before it dropped for a while so yeah it's it's going very well for them they've done a really good job it's uh yeah it's generally received quite well mm. which i people. do think is like 
when there's so much hype surrounding a film like that's a challenge <laughs> yeah i agree yeah. I, I didn't think they would put i didn't think they would pull it off because i thought there's, there's just too much pressure on this film like i felt like that oh yeah okay i know that i mean i was still excited but i know that andrew garfield and toby mcguire in this film it makes no logical sense for them not to be so i thought if they pull this off then that's 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 good because i i you know and, and i can't believe i'm about to credit this but credit to the marketing because they didn't they didn't show it they didn't uh they didn't yeah. even allude to it in a little tease or they they did keep it focused on the villains um and it was nice that we that well, the first time we saw it was in the cinema not in some kind of hint at the end of a, the trailer um yeah yeah i'm glad that they kept that they despite the worst leaks in history they're like no no not happening nope no no <laughs> no no even though that photo of andrew garfield on the scaffolding literally <laughs> was from the film um no 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 doesn't exist no, no, um different universe different universe um yeah so i think with that let's just move into summaries and scores um and just get our final thoughts maddie do you want to kick it off for us <laughs> Do you want to go first? Summarize your overall thoughts of the film and give us the first scoring of Spider-Man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I hate going first. I always like to suss out your scores first. <laughs> so we, we, you're just going to watch our faces going, mm, that's too high, or mm, I would have gone higher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, bear in mind that I do notoriously rate things quite high. <laughs> um. So... Okay, I love this film. I thought it was just, it was epic. It was, I've not stopped thinking about it since I came out. I really want to see it again. I think it was done so well. I think Tom Holland was absolutely phenomenal. I just fell in love with him all over again after this. Like, I loved him after Civil War, but this was just on another level. And yeah, it was, there was just so much fan service but without it being fan service. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can't even put it into words. I just absolutely blubbing love this film. And I think it's my top, probably top film of the year, um, at least in this category. We're not going to mention movie musicals right now. <laughs> um, so for me, it's a nine. Okay. Maddie, starting off strong with a nine. Thank you very much. Dan, take it away. Mm, so as I said, I felt the first first half an hour, I don't think it was... I wasn't sure where it was going, but then it pulled all the pieces together. It delivered all of the kind of epic reveals and uh, um, that weren't... They didn't feel like cameos. They felt like, aside from Daredevil, um, they felt rooted within the story that they were telling and they kept the story focused, laser focused, I thought, on Tom Holland's development and, and his final growth into maturity as Spider-Man. And I felt really emotional all the way through it. So I am going to go for, I think, an 8.5 because I think on rewatch, I might find the first bit. No, but then I might find it more rewarding. I don't know. Um, yeah, I am going to go for an 8.5. I am going to go for an 8.5. Oh, that's a very, very, very strong score. I was really, okay. really pleased. Okay, great. Okay, so my final thoughts. I, I love this film. I thought it was was really good. Yes, it had a few um, plot pacing 
problems um but that was only the real kind of only real issue i had with it i loved what it set up in the mcu particularly daredevil because ah oh, he's the best <clears throat> and it you know it, it fills the the universe with iconic roles william defoe shines as the green goblin and just a, a, man, a manic villain um that takes him to the edge having the other two um spider-man in there was was really good and i m- my feelings throughout this film is that i felt this gave a satisfying ending to all three spider-men um you know andrew got it felt like andrew garfield gets the closure he needed after amazing spider-man 2 and toby Maguire, you know gets the bit of that redemption after spider-man 3 and it just sort of closes out all three spider-man stories and it's an incredible trilogy of for tom holland and he really closes out on an absolute massive high with real stakes and real consequences and sets up a whole new direction for spider-man they i didn't know how they're going to change it up and they changed it up amazingly and set up the next stage of spider-man so i thought it was really well done and i'm going to give it a nine as well because oh, now i want to give it a nine <laughs> i just i i just yeah i i loved it and i just felt that i felt so like satisfied in everyone's i felt like I, it just does justice to everything that they got wrong in spider-man one two three amazing spider-man one and two and it fixed it all and they just sort of like it's like it's all good now so no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick, I, I, you were both very passionate there, but I'm gonna stick with my ex because <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like yeah yeah I don't really know what <laughs> existential crisis. <laughs> I'm done, Toby. Great. Well, there you have it. It's very well received on critics on the bus. As always, thank you so much for for coming, Maddie and Dan. We really appreciate it, um, and it's been wonderful to have you on. Um, the podcast today and with that we will tell you not to forget to follow us on facebook and instagram and to share the episodes when you listen and we'll see you in the next one bye Bye. Bye. thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of critics on a bus don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram for updates on more episodes and we'll see you in the next one